Welcome to the One Meal, One Workout Podcast, your new approach to food and fitness, brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementopie.com. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Butler, Don Sullivan, and Mark Cockrell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to One Meal, One Workout. We've got Mr. Don R. Sullivan and Mr. Mark Cockrell with us today. And as always, I am Aaron Butler, your host of this podcast. And that is the intro. Now, moving on from the intro. Uh, today is recording this show on January 25th, 2012. First time I've ever thrown the date in there. Just thought it'd be kind of fun. Mark does on all the other podcasts, so I thought I'd do it today. Why not? And uh, we're going to be talking in just a few minutes with Laura Field. She is a pediatric dietitian. Works uh, through the University of Chicago and also has her own website and uh, guest speaks many places and so forth. But before we get into that, before we get her on the phone, Lord willing and the creek don't rise, as they say in the South, uh, let's just chat a little bit with my co-host. Don, Mark, how's it going? Not Aaron. bad, Aaron. Fantastic. Don, I noticed on Facebook earlier, because you use RunKeeper and you post your posts to Facebook from RunKeeper, that you kind of had a milestone of a pedagogy pedagogical pedid with your feet today yeah yeah with with my feet yeah i um kind of had a little a little mini goal of breaking a 12 minute mile because even though i've been running for a while off and on i'm real 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 slow like Um, me like yeah yeah so uh i've wanted to break a 12 minute mile for a while i've been kind of hovering around 13 low you know high 12s or whatever and today i got uh an average of 11 minutes 45 seconds or somewhere in there so i pretty well pretty well blew that up it was great that's that's awesome that's more than five miles an hour you realize that you were running more than five miles an hour don that's, that's awesome. awesome it is five miles an hour on a treadmill it's a pretty good little clip for a big guy like me and you yeah i got really excited because whenever i i was it told me i'd hit 20 minutes because i'll usually run 20 minutes because it's part of my lunch it said average pace 11 minutes and maybe i was just breathing too hard or what i don't know i never heard the seconds and i was like i just hit 11 minutes flat that's crazy <laughs> and then i looked at runkeeper the actual runkeeper app and i was like oh no well <laughs> i still did really good still broke a 12 minute mile that's awesome that's right mark what should we not be thinking about <laughs> well um <clears throat> I found myself falling into a trap that I think probably many people do, and I thought I would mention it here. And it's what I call might as well thinking. Uh, I found myself uh, earlier this week at uh, a barbecue joint. There aren't a whole lot of healthy choices at a barbecue joint. Um, And I had some ribs and some brisket, and I said to myself, well, I might as well have some banana pudding. And then I had the banana pudding. I'm like, well, you know, I might as well just go ahead and get a, a regular sugary drink instead of a diet drink since I've already blown all this. And it's that might as well thinking, it, like you might say, well, I just blew breakfast, right? I ate way too much. I had donuts. Somebody brought donuts in. I ate six of them. I might as well just call this whole day off. So, you it's, know, it's, it's the antithesis of the one meal plan. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the, uh, the enemy of one meal, one workout. Instead of focusing on one meal at a time, and even within one meal, you know, you can even break it down to one course at a time, right? So I'm yeah. gonna, I'm not going to have dessert just because I just ate too much dinner. So avoid yeah. might yeah. as well thinking. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, going to go with one course, one set of reps, but it wasn't quite as catchy. <laughs> Didn't roll off the tongue. That's good. Yeah, the uh, – the, um, the sense that I failed, so therefore I should fail more. Why exactly. humans ever think that, I don't know. Well, it's, we just it's, the opposite. It's, if I can't be perfect, why even try is really what it comes down to. Right. 
So last week we had Travis Saunders with us, uh, uh, Obesity Panacea blog. He's the PhD candidate that's, that's talking all about sedentary lifestyle and what it really means. And uh, he was talking about how bad it really is for you to sit multiple hours a day, regardless of whether you're active in the evenings and that kind of thing. So I took it upon myself this week, thanks to two paper boxes and a little creativity, to create the Megadesk 6X prototype at my office, which is basically two box, two paper boxes on my desk with my keyboard and mouse on top of them, and I stuck my monitor up on the shelf. So uh, if you're really interested, you can go to OneMillionWorkout.com. There's, there's a post about it that should have come out a couple of days before this podcast actually drops. Uh, and I've done it for the doing it for this week. If I enjoy it at the end of the week, this over this weekend, I'm going to build myself a little adjustable shelf to put on my desk. I have the benefit of having a laptop so I can actually just turn around, sit in my chair at my docking station or my laptop, open my laptop if I need to sit. But so far, so good. Don, you've been doing the standing desk how long now? Oh, goodness gracious. Probably um, six months. Take a shot in the month? dark and say six months. Yeah, somewhere in there. Still enjoying it? I love it. It's great. Uh, days like today, after after my really good run, I'm kind of bouncing around a lot because my legs are aching bad, but it's great. I can actually tell that I'm I'm burning some calories and stuff, you know, because you're moving around a lot uh, just to keep your, your blood from pooling in your feet and stuff, basically. I mean, right. you don't, I, I call it a standing desk, but I don't do a lot, of, a lot of standing. I do a lot of shuffling. I do yes. a lot of little dances. I'm really happy that I work from home because I can be a dork <laughs> all day and nobody really notices except my wife. She laughs at me. She likes it, though. Also well, inspired by that same episode, you know, I told you that during, while we were recording, I bought one of those yes. little uh, under-desk tricycle things. Well, it just arrived uh, last night. I didn't have a chance to assemble it the, the, until tonight's, but I will take it to work tomorrow, and I will tell you next week what it was all about. But I'm actually excited about having the opportunity to to do something while I'm, you know, uh, using my computer and on the phone and that sort of stuff. So, um you know, I'm excited about it, but I fully expect to hate it, like I said last week. But at the same time, you know, well, uh, I hate all exercise. That's just how I am. I'm, I'm excited to hear about that because I'm really, really looking forward to getting the um, the elliptical, either the elliptical or the stepper that you actually stand on. It's like a little mini elliptical, I guess. I, I found that on there. And Mark, I think actually you found it on there and sent me the sent me the link to it on Amazon. But I'm really looking forward to getting one of those myself. But I want to hear how yours is. But I think you kind of nailed it. You, you just got to do something. Um, and hearkening back to your your talk earlier, sorry, Aaron, I've no, shut ahead. you down twice. Um, right. Talking about and then the that, might as well, and uh, 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 <sighs> talking about the might as well, and and uh, something I I am more than happy to rip off a life hacker because I love that site. Um, and talking about you know if you're not perfect, then why even do it? And one of the things that I've read on there multiple times is the perfect is the enemy of the good. Yeah, absolutely, and mm-hmm. and it makes a lot of sense to me. It's something that stuck with me that. You know, it's not always going to be exactly what you want it to be, but you got to you got to get something out there sometimes. Speaking of life hacker, I was actually that's what I was going to that's what I tried multiple times to insert in the conversation. Don, hooray! Segway was, uh, <laughs> was uh, they have a calorie calculator for standing on there, particularly with the idea of using a standing desk. And so I put in there that I sit five hours a day. They tell me life hacker does at my current weight. If I were to stand for all five hours instead of sit for all five hours, I would burn an additional 491 calories a day. Now, you've heard us harping before about, you That's know, a Big Mac. Yeah, well, that 500 calories a day, um, seven days a week, if you did that, is a pound a week. 
So in theory, I could almost lose a pound a week without changing anything I'm doing just by standing up at work. So I know those numbers are all, you know, fuzzy math type thing, but I was excited to see that it was that, you know, whether, even if it's half of that, that's more than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and hey, so if, engaging, you're, if you had a really lofty goal and you were going to lose 50 pounds by New Year's 2013, you could start today, January 25th. I guess I'm talking to you guys because nobody else is going to hear this for a few days, but you could lose 50 pounds by New Year's just doing that, just one pound a week. Yeah. And so I, uh, I was excited about that because I thought it was going to be a small gain, uh, but I guess, you know, activating those lower leg muscles, those biggest big muscles, muscles in the body. Yeah, you, the gluteus maximus. It's not called maximus for no reason. Uh, and your back. I think that's a, a win, win, win. So I've, I've got a little fun. Been having fun with it at my desk. I keep inviting people to come in and check out Megadesk. And uh, uh, if you see, if you go look at the blog post, you'll see I took the Megadesk logo and made it into Megadesk, and I taped it onto the the box at work now. And so, uh, so anytime somebody comes by and needs to talk to me about something, I'll say, "Well, step in here to Megadesk, and we'll take a look at it." That kind of thing. So. I'm hoping it catches on. You know, maybe I can get a half a dozen people or a dozen people at my office doing it. Uh, no reason we couldn't. So, all right, moving on from Megadesk. <clears throat> Megadesk. Uh, I came across an interesting article. Why does running make my nose run? You know, I'm a proponent of running and walking, and uh, so anything we can do to help people do that and not have hindrances, I want to kind of throw that out there. Apparently, a certain percentage of the people out there actually have um, what they call exercise-induced rhinitis, which is a lot like allergic rhinitis or hay fever, where people start running and exercising, the, the endorphins and the hormones and things that start firing up in their body apparently cause some people to have literally a runny nose. And so um, 10 to 20% of Americans suffer from allergic rhinitis, but strangely, 40% of endurance athletes suffer from the condition. So they, they don't know what all the triggers are and everything. But basically, it's this. I, I brought this article in for, for a couple of reasons. One, if that happens to you, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not weird. You're not crazy. You're not strange. There's a good percentage of people out there that have the same problem. And two, um, you can use like a uh, nasal spray they, they have out there. It's like ipratopromium bromide, which you can find that in the, uh, in the article. We'll put the link in the show notes. Nasal spray, you just squirt it in your... Um, no. Squirt it in your nose before you go exercise, and it <laughs> takes care of it. That's it. So, Don't squirt your nasal spray in your eye. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I, was, I was actually the opposite. I didn't think that I was weird. I thought that was just something that everybody encountered because I really don't know anything about anybody else exercising other than myself. So does your I nose run when you run, Don? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Big time. I find that I get a little gassy sometimes, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if they have a nasal spray for that. And with uh, that, I think it's time to move on to our guest. <laughs> Yeah. And like I said before, we have with us today Miss Laura Field, and we're going to get her on the phone right now through the magic of asynchronous podcasting. Well, we have with us back for the second time Miss Laura Field. She is a pediatric dietitian, dietitian, uh, a nutrition expert. We had her on before talking about celiac disease and the gluten free diet. And today we're going to talk about childhood obesity. Uh, Laura is. well-known in her field, she works um, in and around the city of Chicago, works closely with the University of Chicago. She does all kinds of things um, as far as helping parents and kids learn to eat better. She she actually has a, a website, and uh, I'm going to let her talk about more about that in a minute. And 
does all kinds of things for helping people. Grocery store tours, in-home meal preparation, individual nu- nutrition plans. And um, I thought it was interesting. One of her most recent talks was entitled, Never Order Off the Kids Menu. And I'll be honest, I have done that. But anyway, welcome, Laura. Glad to have you back. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. And uh, I've actually discussed this topic um, over the last several months with several of my friends who have had concerns about their kids. And, you know, I just, I found an article, read an article this last week, um, Laura, that was pretty interesting. They were saying that they think the obesity epidemic, epidemic might have peaked. And, but then somebody else came back and said, only in certain, <laughs> uh, certain, uh, demographics and others, it's still getting worse. And mm-hmm. so I really don't think anybody knows for sure, but whether it's peaked or not peaked, even if it's peaked, it's still bad right now. So, right. um, much worse than, you know, 10, 20 years ago. So. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I think, well, it's just the obesity crisis, if you will. It's just snowballed. And I think there's so many changes that have happened in our environment, whether it be, mm-hmm. you know, um, supersizing things and or um, just our food supply is different. You know, the things that we're eating now are just different than what we had available previously, you know. Um, packaged things, packaged everything. Um, I was just actually with a mom, not necessarily an obese child, but she had her baby had, she had like 15 packaged foods and it's this baby who, you know, the foundation of my business, the foundation of what I, what I talk about is that we start our kids on the right path to good nutrition. And, you know, my business is called Feed, which is forming early eating decisions. Um, what is started in the, infancy should translate to adulthood and you know starting a baby on packaged things just kind of sets it up for you know having packaged stuff all your life and um, I think that that's the biggest change I think in our society that we want quick fixes and having food at our fingertips and you know pick growing for an apple is just as easy but I think it's just a matter of what people think of a priority to have in their in their you know, in their pantry and their kitchen. Right. So what, when you, when you start talking to a parent about childhood obesity, what, what's the definition? How do we define that uh, in your world, in the, in the nutrition dietitian world? What, what's the definition of childhood obesity yeah. well, for clinically, us? Well, clinically, when we um, look at a child, we look at BMI, which is body mass index. And uh, body mass index is, you know, the, uh, the, um, weight for height ratio, so how big the child is in weight relative to their height. So when you look at a growth chart above the 95th percentile, uh, so that's, you know, the higher upper limit of the growth curve, that's clinically defined as obese. Um, There's another kind of... um, percentiles like between the 85th and the 95th percentile which are high but that is actually um, classified as at risk for overweight or at risk for obesity so despite that I mean those those kids are still pretty high in in terms of what they are in relative to their weight to their excuse me to their length it's just that's how it's defined, and um, you know the BMI gets a lot of a bad reputation from in adulthood because of right. people who I, are you know bodybuilders say that they have you know I've bashed it a few obese. times myself. <laughs> well, the, technically the OB, you know, um, right. um, BMI could be muscle composition, which I totally understand. But in kids, it's a pretty accurate measurement. Right. 
Yeah, I would think it'd be more accurate for kids than it would be for adults. So let's just and then let's just pretend, for the sake of argument, that my high BMI is all muscle, since you can't see me on the video feed right now. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so we're talking about 95th percentile of weight versus height, not their 95th percentile for their age necessarily. Exactly. Well, no, because they could be tall for their age and heavy yeah. for their age and still exactly. be uh, healthy and proportionate. And, right. And it's really looking at the whole picture together. Um, but that is defined. It's really the BMI that you want to look at rather than the, because the child could be higher than the, you know, at the 85th percentile for a long time and totally be fine. But it's just more of a, you can really see it when you look at kids, you know, if it's, um, it's looking at the whole picture. Right. I, I just want to say my, my oldest daughter was up until very recently in that 95th to 99th percentile for uh, weight versus height uh, but was it she, weight versus height for her mark or was it her, was it age because most of the time the pediatrician will give you her percentile in her age grad group yeah yep. I, I i don't know it's whatever they tell you it is she was <laughs> she was way big but i mean you could look at her and tell that she was uh, chunky but over the last couple of years uh, not even a couple of years last year or maybe even six months she started to stretch out and slim down and and i, I, I know that's a a common trait among children. So how do you distinguish between the at-risk child and the kid who's just got quote-unquote baby fat? Hadn't hit that growth spurt yet. Yeah, well, you want to look, again, like it's really looking at the whole picture and and taking account for um, family history and genetics and Looking at their, what their take, what their intake is. You know, if they're consuming a totally inappropriate diet, lots of soda, lots of juice, lots of high sodium rich snacks and such, you know, and their weight is elevated, that's something to consider. I think if it's a child that seems to be growing appropriately, kind of going in the same percentile range, like, you know, we look at the big picture in general. I don't want to just look at one point in time and assess a child. But when you're looking at the big picture and, and taking into account those, that's when you want to make it, you know, it's, um, it's a big deal for the family, you know, make an impression to the family. I think also family history or hereditary diseases, you know, high cholesterol, right. um, diabetes, um, you know, those things are really important to, to take into account for if you're, you know, bringing this up to a, to, to a family. Then would you also, uh, weigh in the factor of how active the kid actually is. I mean, if, if if they run for, if they go outside and play for two hours a day or if they're a total couch potato. Yep, exactly. And, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've recommended, you know, using like Wii Fit and different kind of video game type um, exercise yep. methods a lot lately. It's, you know, and it's, and it, it, it gets, kids motivated but i think a lot of times they end up kind of sitting around sometimes and watching other kids do it um but i do think it's something that for that generation is really important to um utilize because they're interested in it and you know it depends on the environment also like a lot of times there's potentially an unsafe environment outside of the home but the inside of the home you know you've got to be creative to think about how you can be active within a safe environment as well. Right. So, you know, taking that same same thread of uh, we're talking about the, the environmental things that have changed, uh, if you, I don't want to obviously want you to, I don't expect you to, to uh, rehash your entire recent talk that you did, never, off the, never, never order off the kids' menu, but could you just touch on that for a minute? Because I sure. think obviously the food, the way foods have changed, you know, 50 years ago, everybody ate quote-unquote home-cooked meals almost all the time. 
Right. It was cooked vegetables. If you ate bad, it was the, you know, the fried chicken mom made once a month on Sunday evening as a treat. Um, but mostly you ate, people ate lots of fruits and vegetables and healthy foods and that kind right. of stuff. So yeah, just jump well, in that, jump on, jump into that subject. Sure. For a well, there's a few things I, I, I want to first address that, you know, back in the day, also back in the day, a recommendation was to, that all kids should finish everything on their plate. And that's something that we don't, <laughs> we don't necessarily recommend anymore because that's just showing kids that they're not able to assess their hunger and fullness cues. You know, you should really make sure that kids are, uh, you know, recognizing if they've eaten enough or if they should eat more. And I think we used to have that, you know, you have to finish everything on your plate or or yep. that's it, you know. The and, kids are starving in Africa, and you need to finish what, the same old thing you always sell. Yep. Yeah, so from a lifetime member of the Clean Plate Club, I can definitely tell you that is that's a big thing. <laughs> so that's not something that we would address at all or suggest at all at this point. But so you know, going to the never order off the kids menu. You know, when you think about the kids menu, typically it's um, all pretty much tan foods. You know, it's um, fried potatoes or um, chicken fingers or pizza or uh, mac and cheese. You know, those are the big ones, right? And all of them are very low in nutritive value. I'll, I'll, I'll give the mac and cheese a little calcium maybe, but the rest have <laughs> a lot of added fats. They have extra calories and just stuff that you don't need. Never, none, usually nothing green, no, never anything um you know, resembling fresh fruit. Typically, you see even a kid's menu, they may give you fruit on the side, but I've, I've met many a, a fruit cups on, the, on that side of that tray. And so, you know, I think, but when taking a step back also, you know, trying to teach kids that, one, parents are, should be the, are the best role models. There's a lot of research that shows that kids will do what parents do. And I think, um, Showing, setting an example for your children, and they should be eating what you're eating. And I think it is a weight management tactic for yourself as well. You know, all these restaurant portions are huge, and we don't need to eat all of them. And so taking a section of it and giving it to your child would be, you know, my best, a great you know, idea, I think, from from multiple multiple reasons. And I I just would try to think, um, to try to offer your kids what, you know, you think is a healthy option all the time. And the whole pickiness behavior most of the time stems from, you know, catering to our children and not giving what we think is a good example, right? right. So um, that's just kind of what that was directed towards. And it's a, a big theme of how I practice. Well, we, we're blessed my, with uh, my son's five, and he, I can... I literally cannot even think of maybe one or two times that we've ever made him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something mm-hmm. instead of right. giving him what our dinner is. He 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 typically eats it, um, and so and I don't know that you know we've been some kind of uber parents, uh, you know, in the in the food category by any means, but we've tried to instill that in him of not being a picky eater because we I grew up with the clean your plate. You know, we ate the old Southern cooking a lot um, of fried foods and things like that. And then as I got older and got into college, then I became, you know, a fast food junkie. And, and uh, you know, when I weighed almost 400 pounds, I didn't want my son to end up going the same route. So I was doing everything I could to try to instill those things into him. And it's, it seems 
seems to work so far. At least one, you know, it doesn't help that he's fairly hyperactive. Uh, <laughs> doesn't hurt, I mean, because he likes to go and do and run. So him being sedentary is not really an issue at, at this point, at least. Right. Uh, so yeah, but the kids menu, I, I was real excited when Chick Fil A came out. You know, just recently with their yeah. grilled chicken. I saw that as well. We actually got that the other day, and 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 he was a little disappointed to be honest with you when those <laughs> when those nuggets came out. Until my wife explained to him that that was the same grilled chicken that's on his, her grilled chicken sandwich that he always wants. Because right, right. he would actually prefer her grilled chicken sandwich over the chicken nuggets right. or, or chicken strips or whatever else, you know. If totally. we, we got, And so he was, he was like, oh, okay. And he grabbed that and ate it and right. was extremely well, happy. I, so. I, that's the thing. It's the motivation if you're, you know, of getting them to be interested in what you're eating. And so they'll, yeah. they'll be inspired to eat it as well. Um, I, but it's just, you know, I, I get the value of ordering off the kids menu. You don't want to order something else because it might be more expensive. But the point is that, you know, just taking some from yours, sharing with your children should be, a, you know, motivation when you're dining out. And, but also that translates to what you're doing at home, you know, not, being a short order cook, having one family meal, uh-huh. you know, there might be some allergy restrictions that we also ha- always have to respect. But at the same point, most most of the time, it's it you want to teach your kids that you sh- they should be eating what we're eating as well. Right. Well, I, I just wanted to make a comment there. I, I can hear people yelling at their MP3 players. Um, my kid won't eat anything but chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. And and I have one of those. And, and I'm fortunate she is not overweight. She's actually very thin for her age uh, and for her size. But she she won't eat anything but junk. And so what what do you do? I mean, uh, I'm not asking for a cure-all, but uh, I understand the idea. But if you have, we'll take it. <laughs> I understand yeah. the idea of encouraging and all that sort of stuff, right. but I have she has literally made the choice on a number of occasions to not eat rather than eat junk. I mean, I will tell her, this is what we've made, this is what you eat, or you go to bed now. And she will choose to go to bed now. It's just consistency, depending on the age, and I, I totally get it. I get the, that I, I actually get that expression and/or the the vocalization of that frustration many times. And You've never heard that before, have you, Laura? Uh, oh, never. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is that um, a few things. One, that really starting early is key. So even as early as like you know, fifteen months of of age. So in infancy, not of not. Um, making something different because that it's not it's it is a learned behavior and if you continue if you start that way it gets there when you've you know if you've gone um, too far you know if the child is older and like what you're explaining I think you just have to think of it in baby steps and really um, try to tackle it one meal at a time there's a lot of suggestion that if you continue a repeated behavior, so if you say you're not going to eat, you know, for a couple days, they will learn. And it's it's a um, scary thing because all family members need to be on board because if you kind of, if you cave and you end up giving in to their desires, then they're not learning that you're serious. Um, but I think also it's kind of taking it in baby steps, meaning that doing one food at a time, you know, if it's that they're really interested in only chicken nuggets, then I would start making only homemade chicken nuggets, you know, um, kind of taking it one meal at a time, if you will, as well. Okay, but again, that does not work when you're when you're out and about, right? So yeah. the, I've, I'm on a family trip. I'm six hours in the car. I can't bring homemade chicken nuggets with me. Right. 
Well, you don't want to start that plan when you're getting ready to go on a six-hour trip, Mark. No, you want to, you want to <laughs> well, right. pick that in summer, think, you know, when you have an opportunity to really plan ahead and do it. So. True. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think that, you know, thinking ahead, but but also, you know, having um, a realistic expectation. I think, you know, making a child that only eats chicken nuggets into a child that's eating, you know, I don't know, steak and broccoli or something. Well, it's not a, a overnight thing. I think it's kind of taking it in strides, perhaps working at it one meal at a time or one food group at a time. But, you know, there's always going to be a safe food so they eat something. But I think trying to add in new things is is important. I also, I do, you know, depending on the age too, reward charts really help or and starting very small as minuscule as like a, I, I have a um, kind of a plan in place for some kids that, you know, starting with the size of a freckle and then moving towards the size <laughs> of a, gel, a jelly bean and then moving towards the size of a quarter, you know, and just progressing that, you know, every day that you try this, you kind of get a mark on the calendar or, and then you earn a reward. And I usually try to recommend rewarding in non-food items, but I think trying to have that strategy is really crucial. And, you know, it's, it's, you can't be perfect, but I think working towards what makes sense and trying to get some of these high-fat, high-sodium, high-sugar foods out of their diets and trying to work in some more fresh fruits and vegetables, perhaps grilled meats, you know, what we think is uh, a healthy diet is important. That sounds like sound advice, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I, I was just trying to speak you. for the audience. <laughs> I'm here. How old is the daughter, so Mark? That, that, how old is the daughter, Mark? That's the picky eater. Uh, she's seven. Seven. Okay. And has been a picky eater since she was seven days old. <laughs> uh, I'm not kidding. There was baby food she wouldn't eat. She would choose not to nurse sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's part of why, like I said, she she doesn't have a weight problem. She literally doesn't eat for long periods because she just doesn't want to. Unlike her daddy, she doesn't eat for pleasure, which is a good thing. Um, but I, you know, I know there are other people out there who've got the kid who's, you know, 15 pounds overweight. He's a chunky kid, uh, and just will throw a wall-eyed fit in the middle of the food court at the mall if you try to feed him anything but a French fry. And, um, you know, there's, there's the social issues there. You don't want your kid being the one throwing the fit. Uh, and so, you know, it's just, uh, these, these uh, techniques like starting really small uh, and really early are, are the kind of stuff I was looking for. Yeah, now Don, your daughter is how old, Don? She is going to be eight months old in about less time than I care to really think about. So, Laura, would you recommend for somebody like in Don's uh, situation, as soon as his daughter starts eating "quote unquote" regular food, to start, you know, working in eating mom and dad's the same things yeah. mom and dad are eating, oh, as soon as assuming mom and dad are eating healthy. Most as as soon as now. I mean, as far as textures go, like almost you know, nearing nine months, babies can tolerate wonderful you know bigger textures. So you know that's part of my suggestion when we talk about starting solid foods is pureeing what you're eating. You know, literally taking what you have on your plate, putting it in a food food processor and serving it to your child. Those are the experiences, you know, you got to look outside the jar. And I think (laughs) nowadays it's outside the pouch because now there's all these pouch type food, um, foods out there that, you know, you squirt into their mouth or a spoon, but, um, you know, trying to give offer foods that you're eating is, is crucial because those are the um, textures and flavors and things that you'd like to expose them 
in in life. I always joke, you know, that babies' first foods are typically squash and um, sweet, you know, sweet potato squash, orange veggies, and then you know we come to like two years old, and I have like a I don't know, a discussion with a family, like, when's the last time you had squash? And it's, you know, typically not very often, which is frustrating because that's the, you you started a food, uh, the fundamentals of eating started with squash, but then you abandon it. And that's the point is to try to, you know, think about those things all throughout, you know, their childhood. I had squash yesterday at lunch. <laughs> I love squash. <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. You know, so... You know what kind of things? Here, here we have a a a, a, um, a worldwide interweb platform. You have the ability right now to reach literally tens of people, hundreds of people, thousands of people. Potentially, you know anybody that picks up this podcast, uh, and anybody in your your circle of influence that that may link back to it if you you know throw it out there on Twitter or whatever. What do you want to say to that person that's just just beginning to realize? You know what? My child may have a weight problem. I. I they're not, you know, not that kid that I've that they've struggled with their whole life, uh, being overweight, or you know, they're they're 15 and now we're trying to fix the things that are broken in in our uh, eating habits and what have you. But that kid that's five or seven or nine that's just starting to put on a few extra pounds, maybe getting a little bit sedentary. What kind of first steps would you take um, with that kid? Well, I think first is assessing how your family eats. And looking inside your pantry, I, I think you mentioned a little bit of one of my services is, is to do a kind of pantry rehab. You know, what you offer in your home is going to be what's accessible more frequently. And yeah. what you you do as a parent is going to be, that's the biggest impression your child can ever get. So I think looking you know, first inside your own home and yourself and seeing like, how are my eating habits and how would my child perceive what I'm doing? Because that's going to be the lasting impression that they will receive. So, you know, that's kind of the first step. And then the second step is really talking to them. You need, it's so crucial and I wish it was more of a priority in so many ways of education to talk about food. And I think we're starting to get there, but there's so much more to, to you know, look into as far as educating our kids about healthy eating. You know, talking about what foods do for our bodies, how their nutrients are, how the nutrients that we're eating are important. Many kids that are young and really interested in sports, when they realize that, you know, eating certain proteins are really going to help their muscle development they're really motivated when they see that, you know, they might have just come off of an injury of like a broken bone because they really don't like milk, that they're totally motivated. They don't want to have a cast on anymore. So, <laughs> you know, thinking about how teaching them how food will affect them, I think is so crucial. And, you know, making games out of it, going to like farmer's markets, trying to grow things in your garden, um, having just, you know, a basil plant in your in your kitchen. I think just learning, teaching them about how foods really affect us and what's in what we eat um, is is key. 
I think, and also starting to read labels and read ingredient labels and <laughs> seeing what's in our food. Um, a lot of times it's so shocking. And I was just actually analyzing a nutrition bar. I was just looking at a label, trying to assess if it was a good product for a client. And I was just mystified by the amount of ingredients that were in this bar. And I couldn't believe, um, you know, I just, I was kind of sickened by looking at it. And it was supposed to be, you know, a, a great low calorie, um, option and, you know, from a reputable company. And I'm sure people are motivated because it, it's a good flavor and, you know, a good texture. But when you look at it, there's so many oils and it, it's just on paper. It's just, I I can't I wouldn't be able to eat it you know so I think looking at what we're eating and trying to assess that is is really key. So Laura, what would you say to somebody that has all the concerns about the convenience and the amount of time it takes to to home cook every night and that sort of thing um, that wants their child to be healthy but they really feel like they don't have the time or maybe they don't I mean I don't I don't know where you really draw that line I mean I guess you. It's all about your priorities, but if right. you know their lifestyle is in jeopardy from not working 12 hours a day or whatever, let's say, how do they actually go about this? I mean, do you have people that you deal with that are that are trying to make the transition and they're still looking to not change their whole life but still have their child eat healthy? Or how does that work? Most definitely. Well, I think from speaking from personal experience of a busy working mom who tries to feed her kids a healthy meal all the time. Um, I know how I know how it works. You know, I know how with the stress myself. Um, and the you need to learn some quick shortcut cuts in meal planning. And I think having things um, available even in your freezer that you make, you know, in big batches that you can easily reheat. Um, looking to when you're, you know, making the most of your grocery store trips, you know, buying some pre-cut things that might be easy, especially like vegetables or fruits that you can just grab and go. Um, you know, buying some prepared things once in a while. I think one of my favorite options at a grocery store is uh, a whole chicken, you know, a, a roasted right. chicken that you can have and, you know, portion out for the rest of the day or the rest of the week or whatever. But Mark's excited about that. That was one of his tips the other day. You know, <laughs> come on, people, just cook a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, from a cor- shortcut in meal planning, I think it's a great one, right? You yeah. know, it's, it's something that uh, you have and it's easy and you know that it's not, there's not a, a a ton of added stuff to it. It's a, just a whole food. It, you know, the other day I stopped at the store on the way home. I picked up, uh, what did I, I, I either got tilapia or sand, I got some kind of fish fillet. I think it was tilapia um, or some group. I don't remember what it was. Some kind of white fish. I picked up some green beans and I picked up uh, a couple of nectarines and, and a couple of apples and some strawberries. Mm-hmm. And I came home and, you know, put the green beans on the steam threw the fish on the the grill and chopped up the vegetables while the fish was cooking and we had an extremely healthy meal. Probably took me and I'm not a good cook. Five minutes. It, it, yeah, yeah, ten minutes at the most from the time I walked through the door till we were eating it. And we had fresh green beans, um, a, a fresh fruit salad and and grilled fish literally in like you said, ten minutes at the most. 
It's amazing. And I, but I think thinking about what I, I, I guess my, you know, the real shortcuts of like, you know, there's some great ni- 90 second brown rice packs that are excellent. They're packaged, but it's a great source of high fiber food and you can cook it in 90 seconds. Like thinking about easy sh- shortcuts that are still healthy, you know, um, baked potato, you can, you, you know, potatoes are actually okay to consume in moderation. You know, you don't want to have a huge <laughs> baked potato, but at the same point, it's a, a quick start that's, you know, I would rather you have that than a, a laundry list of things. So, um, it, it, you know, just thinking in globally, um, f- frozen vegetables sometimes have more nutrition than fresh, actually, because of the time that the vegetables are sitting out on the grocery store shelves. So, you know, using those as, as easy vegetable selections, and you can never have an excuse that you don't have veggies in your house. So, um, you know, I think thinking about those kind of things are are, are key. Yeah, the planning ahead is the secret, Don, to answer your question. And it takes some forethought. It doesn't take a lot of work extra to plan ahead, but it takes some thought, some brain cycles. You got to put, you know, for from us, for my family, it's I, I have the benefit of that my wife is a stay-at-home mom, so she can focus some energy on that and not be not trying to do a full-time job and that. But still, if we get lazy with that. Um, then we end up making bad choices. But as long as we keep the good choices in the house, it's easy to make the right choice. You know, if I've Who got the snacks, lazy, Aaron? Huh? Who are you calling lazy? No, I said we get lazy with that. I didn't say you were lazy. Uh, I'm saying if, but if we have a, it takes us not being lazy with our preparation. Right. <clears throat> yep. Well, I can say undisciplined if that's a, as that, that's a less derogatory, more accusatory word for you, Don. <laughs> yeah, fine, it, fine. it is shopping. You know, shopping is a discipline. It really is. Uh, and I think not having your kids involved <laughs> is actually <laughs> also important. You know, when you're at the grocery store, there's a lot of times it's a stressful event if your kids are with you. And, and I, I mean, you know, what their, um, demands and you, sometimes we end up giving in. And I think really having some time, it's a, it's an important, um, exercise for your family to, put you know throw the good things in your in your home and um sometimes when we give in to temptation or give in to our kids demands we make poor choices so really thinking about you know sticking to a list and and not veering off of it is really important yeah i think the people that set up the cereal aisle in the grocery store are the same people that set up the candy buffet at the <laughs> cash register and they're all evil evil people <laughs> they are you don't see the uh you don't see the um, brown rice bags and the and the bananas and nope. the and the cashews at the checkout, you know. <laughs> and they don't have cartoon characters on them either. Yeah. Well, uh, Laura, what you know? What I always ask this kind of question when I have somebody like you on that that really has a, a message and a and information that people need to hear. What? Where can people go on the interweb if they, you know, after they've listened to this podcast 10 times, they've memorized everything you've said and they've applied that, where else can they go to get more information? You have a website yourself that is your main? Yep. My website is feedkids.com. Feed your, my business again is called Feed, which stands for Forming Early Eating Decisions. And um, I have a nutrition blog through my website and um, just some tips and some resources through my website. Also, I think a really um, excellent um, initiative from the USDA was choosemyplate.gov. And, you know, my, the My Plate is now the revamped 
food guide pyramid, and I think it's an excellent teaching tool. And kids really are um, learning, I think, from it just by understanding what should be on your plate, um, rather than under, you know being concerned with what food groups when and such. It's it's a really just basic, you know, thinking about portion size portions of each food group at each meal. Um, so choosemyplate.gov has some specific um, menus, recipes, um, calorie information, and just for specifically for children, for pregnant and breastfeeding women, um, etc. It's a, a really good good site. All right. Well, uh, as always, we really appreciate your time. I mean, it sure. obviously the, this is something that is affecting more and more people as the numbers have gone up. Um, uh, they've tracked it over the years. I, I was the the proverbial fat kid. I think Don and Mark, we all three were. Uh, you know, I I look back now and realize, you know, my mom and dad were very well meaning. I mean, my parents absolutely loved me and and took great care of me and provided for me, and but they just weren't really educated and equipped themselves. You know, they did the same things they did growing up, but the difference is, like you said, the culture had changed and the foods had changed. They didn't have to worry about that when they were when they were kids in the 30s and 40s. Uh, so, you know, I grew up eating too much, cleaning my plate with st- of stuff that I should not be cleaning. <laughs> yeah. All the extra gravy. Right. right. Oh, oh, it was, you know, yeah, exactly. You know, fried, fried, fill in the blank with gravy on it and rice and, you know, dessert afterwards and three gallons of sweet tea. And yeah, so I've, you know, just now at 41, I guess is when I started, I finally have, been retraining and teaching myself to eat healthy. I, one little anecdote I just want to throw out there. I think how important what that what Laura's doing is and the whole thing about um, you know early decisions, training early, you know, forming early eating decisions. Uh, one of the physicians that I work with is a cardiologist, and he told me the other day, you know, in kind of a resigned voice, he said, "Aaron, I have patients come in all the time. We were talking about my weight loss, coming all the time that are, you know very overweight, have diabetes, have hypertension, and I tell them." Right to their face, he said. A lot of times, I'll just tell them, "You really should. Do, you really need to lose some weight. I know you're not going to, <laughs> but you really should. So I'm going to put you on these five medications to make sure you stay alive. But you know, most of this you could solve by losing some weight. But the truth is, he said, in the last ten years, however many hundreds of patients he's seen, very few of them actually, by the time they get to him at fifty, sixty, seventy years old, um, make any changes and go from being obese to not obese." And so, you know, if you can never be that 60-year-old, 400-pound guy, uh, yeah, obviously that's the better way to go. You have the whole life. Not only do you have the whole health benefits, but the, the, the quality of life for a person that's able to go and do what they want to go and do because they're, they're healthy and feel well is a, a benefit. So you're, you know, you're setting people up for a life of success, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate your obvious passion for your um, – it's not just an occupation for you, but a passion. So, Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I always enjoy talking about it to people who are interested in it as well. So thank well, you so much. You know, you have my email addresses. <laughs> so if you ever have another topic uh, of any type you want to come on or you want to go back and talk about any of this again, you just let me know. We'd love to have you back on the show. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Laura, and have a great night. Thanks so much. You too. Thanks, Laura. Okay, take Bye-bye. care. Okay. All right. Well, that was obviously Dr. Dr. Laura. I still want to call her Dr. Laura. She needs to go get her doctorate, so I'll be correct. That was Laura Field with us, uh, registered dietitian, pediatric specialty, as well as a 
uh, celiac disease educator, just a super cool lady, obviously very passionate about what she does and, and believes in what she's doing and is really helping people. So you can check out her website and uh, find all kinds of great more information. And um, But, you know, it comes down to our decisions. It really does. You know, we have to own those decisions that we make and move forward with them. Well, I think one of the things that uh, I didn't want to keep her on any longer, but uh, one of the things she said that I wanted to jump on is, is she talked about educating your children, but it's it's crucial as an educator that you be knowledgeable, right? And most people are not aware of what's in their food, or what is wrong with their food, what is right with their food. Right. Um, and so... Uh, That's like my mom, like I was saying. She she wasn't purposely feeding us bad things. She right. fed things that were good and things she'd grown up eating, but it was just times had changed. Right. And it's like we've talked about a lot of times, people just don't think about this sort of stuff. You know, if you put the thought into it, it, it kind of seems obvious, but man, it's so easy to just go through life, go day to day to day, and it, and it never crosses your mind. You know, and like not to... Link- Go ahead, Aaron. I was, I was going to say, like that, what was that, Mark, the lasagna you used to eat three times a week, or what was it? The, the Oh, the pot pie. Yeah, the pot pie. <laughs> it's pot pie. It should be good for you. You know, yeah, it's got vegetables 100 in it. calories. Yeah. It's got veggies. Yeah, uh, what what I was going to say is, you know, not to get too biblical, but uh, you know that that's the stance of the three guys on this show, and, and I suspect much of our audiences. Uh, but when you're uh, the the husband, the the head of the house, what you do affects the whole family. And I know as I have tried to be more healthy, my entire family has been more healthy as a result of that. And I mentioned that my my oldest ch- daughter has lost some weight and is changing some uh, eating habits because she has seen me do that. I haven't instructed her specifically but by my actions and by my interest in being healthier uh, i'm hoping to have that generational change i don't want to pass on to another generation being fat i was you know my mom was fat my grandmom was fat i'm fat i don't i want that to end here and education and intentionality is the way to make that happen we draw the line here (laughs) and i think in our family that may have been I think me starting running may have just been a lark until uh, that was right before we found out that we were going to have Maggie. And I specifically remember spending days running and leaving my friends in the dust and just thinking over and over again, we're going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby. (laughs) And I didn't get this right. I was going to be 400 pounds and I wouldn't even be able to hold her because, man, she's heavy enough at 20 pounds (laughs) as it is. And I'm feeling great, man. I can't well, you, even imagine you, having to pick her up out of bed every morning and having another 100 pounds on my back. No, I didn't even think about it until just now. Both my parents, um, when I was in my teen years, were, were fairly heavy. You know, my dad ended up getting a desk job. He got promoted and promoted and promoted till he ended up not really, quote-unquote, working as much and sat around. And, um, you know, mom was a little heavy at points. She's slimmed up now. Kind of up and down. She's never been really big. But... Um, so I've got some genetics working toward me that, you know, it's my family line for, you know, has the propensity to be a big, a big person. But it ended up being, and it wasn't my mom's cooking. I came out of high school a big guy. And then in college, I made poor choices and became right. a obese guy. You're you know, genetically out, prone to it, but it's your decisions that, that make that happen. Yeah, exactly. You know, I was a big, I was a big, strong, strapping guy, you know, um, but, you know, to quote, Physic. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. I'm the biggest and the strongest. I don't even exercise, and that was true. You know, I was the biggest, strongest guy. You know, and I didn't even exercise. But I got into college and just really became sedentary and ate really, really bad. And so yeah, I, I know, joke that Don's the little guy on this podcast at only six two. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah no kidding. <laughs> and the, my parents, to complete the set here, were actually real thin. But 
I guarantee you that my mom could swap recipes with yours, Aaron. Yeah, uh, probably. But the um, we've been you know co- making a conscious effort with Nathaniel to encourage him to eat healthy. We try not to eat out as as little. We eat out as little as we can, and also um, when he doesn't want to eat something, we explain to him why he should eat it and encourage him to eat it. For example, squash. He we put he had squash. We have squash fairly regularly at home. Not fried, even though fried squash is awesome. We have boiled, usually is what it is, you know, cooked, just cooked squash. And he's like, what is this? And we're like, try it, Nathaniel, it's good. And we finally got to try it, and he likes it, and he's, and he's fine with it. But uh, just, I think it was night before last, we had homemade stir-fry. Uh, you know, some brown rice, vegetables, that kind of thing that Cheryl cooked up. And Nathaniel said, oh, no, not stir-fry. And I'm like, Nathaniel, you love stir-fry. No, I don't. Yes, you do. He ate the whole thing. <laughs> you know, he just, he forgets. You have to, if I, but if I would have given in, and, you know, and said, okay, what do you want? Well, pimento and cheese, or grilled, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And got him a peanut, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That had been the end of it and, and set a kind of a precedent because we try not to do that because it is so hard to go back once you start doing that. So I try to educate him on food. I do. And we work toward that and, uh, help him make better choices. And we don't eat a lot of ice cream and cookies and cakes. Those are, we kind of make those be treats as best we can. So that it's something special in it, and it, and he's used to it not being the standard. It's out of the ordinary. So speaking of healthy, speaking of eating and recipes, I have a recipe that I'd like to throw out there for you guys. It's actually from my wife's blog, uh, Cheryl'sMenu.blogspot.com. You want to check that out. That's C-H-E-R-Y-L-S. Um, it's uh, funny that people misspell her name C-H-E-R-L-Y sometimes. Shirley. I understand spelling it with an S instead of a C, but where do you get C-H-E-R-L-Y? Anyway, Cheryl'sMenu.blogspot.com. We'll put the link in the notes. Uh, and it is a black bean and corn salad. It's pretty much just vegetables thrown into a bowl and you eat it. And it's awesome. Well, you did they, say salad. Yeah, it, but it's more like a dip, actually. It's like a black bean and uh, corn salsa, almost. It's not a salsa because it's not kind of it's not ground up or anything, but man, it's good. Now, the, the thing you got to watch, though, I just want to put a warning out there. If you're like me and you like tortilla chips, anybody? Besides yes, me? Yes. Martin Yes, I love tortilla chips. Tortilla chips are fairly bad for you. Yes. Now, Lay's does make a light version now using the Olestra, the Go Lightly, as we say. Um, but what, what I've had to force myself to do when I go to a Mexican food restaurant or whatever is I get a handful, you know, a decent handful of chips, put them on a, paper, a napkin in front of me. And then try not to go back to the basket because I will eat an entire basket of chips all by myself. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. So I try to do that. Not always successful, but, um, and so the same thing on this. You got to be careful. If you like to eat this, Cheryl eats it with a fork. You know, she'll just eat it, you know, right out with a fork. I like to eat it with chips. So what I do is I get my one little chip and I scoop out <laughs> a giant scoop of this salsa because the salsa is great for you. It's all vegetables pretty much. Cover the entire chip with the I salsa. I do. Just enough to hold on to it. That's all I need. Just enough clearance to hold on to the edge of the chip um, and stick it in my mouth. But it's black bean and corn salsa uh, salad. Man, it is good stuff. Get those scoops chips. They hold more. Exactly. Those work perfect for this. <laughs> they really do. Uh, just, just be careful of the chips because you'll make a healthy recipe not healthy if you're not careful. So. Yeah, that's one of my the daughter that doesn't eat anything. That's one of the things she'll eat is chips, and and she's always and it, it it's I I think we're gonna have to do what we were talking about is is do a, a a pantry rearrangement because you know we will get up late on a Saturday morning late being seven thirty, and all three of the kids have already eaten five times 
you know they already got up they went straight to the pantry and they've eaten uh chips and crackers and and peanut butter pop tarts and cookies and pop tarts and cereal bars um and if that stuff wasn't there that wouldn't be a problem right hey mark i have a great suggestion for you to transition your kids off the chips actually from not dr laura's website i dr. looked at laura. this last time she was on the show and i really wanted to make it and i forgot until i just went back out there she has a recipe box on her website and she has kale chips don't tell your kids what kale are and they're supposed to be crunchy and delicious and i plan on trying them the next time i go to the grocery store you let me know how that works out okay she I has will. sweet potato chips on there too you might want to try those because I don't know if you're a fan of sweet potatoes, but I sweet am. potato chips are the best. Yogurt pumpkin parfait. I'll, I'll, I'm a, I'll, I probably should have just made this the recipe. She's got a, real, a lot of really good stuff on there. I, I have a feeling we'll be robbing from her often for this new Indeed. recipe section. Indeed. Exactly. All right, Mark, the forums are just on fire over at elementopi.com. They got a fever. The only answer is more cowbell. Elementopi.com. <laughs> uh, it's where you can interact with other people like yourself, find other shows that are not necessarily going to condemn you for having bad things in your food, uh, uh, in your pantry. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm never no, condemned, no, only no. reprimanded. Okay. <laughs> but uh, get rid of the pop tarts, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Check Take us out. Elementopi.com. There's a one meal one workout forum. There's also forums for other things in there, and um, just uh, you know. Make your voice known uh, if there's something you want to talk about. If you if you're one of those people who, like I said, was yelling at your MP3 player, go there, yell in typing, and we'll see it and we'll respond to it. I promise. You can also Caps find lock cruise control for the internet. <laughs> you can also find. Um, uh, uh, never mind. Forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, distracting Mark. That's what she can find in spades on the website. What was that, Don? I said, me distracting Mark. That's what you can find in spades on the website. <laughs> of course, if you want to find more about the one meal, one workout plan, what it really means, it doesn't mean work out one time, eat one meal a day. That's not what it's saying. If you want to know what it really no, I, is. Aaron, I actually had somebody ask me the other day, does that mean you only get one food you can eat for the rest of your life? Like you got to pick what it is? And that's what I don't know. Yes. No, that's not it. That's what it is. No, it means you, every time you eat a meal, you have to work out. No, that's not what it means either. If you want to know what it means, go to one meal and workout.com. There's, there's a what's the deal kind of with one meal workout link up there and you can read the whole philosophy behind it uh, in case you don't want to do that i'll give you the five second version it basically means like mark was talking about in, in the warm-up of the show about the might as well thinking it's just the opposite of that address every meal think about every meal as your opportunity to do better and then every workout you just worry about getting to that next workout so you just kind of you're addressing your life your fitness and your health one meal at a time, one workout at a time. You're not worried about losing 50 pounds or 100 pounds or how many pounds you need to lose. You're not worried about having to run for the rest of your life or go to the gym forever. You just deal with it one at a time, and that's that's all it takes. So uh, if you want to email me straight up, you can just email me straight up at double A-R-O-N. That's two A's, one R, one O, one N, at one meal, one workout.com. That's the number one on both of those. And, uh, and I'll be glad to reply to that email. And just um, last word, remember... Remember, remember, before starting any diet or exercise program, it's recommended that you consult your healthcare provider.